We're gonna swim, bike and run In the corner sun We're gonna swim, bike and run In the corner sun 2021 Thank you, Poncho Man. Welcome, everybody, to Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. My name is Bob Babbitt. We're brought to you by Challenge North America, Credo Tri. You can Hoka One One Velo Fix, Norma Tech Canyon Bikes, and, of course, our Challenged Athletes Foundation. We just sent out 3,038 grants, totaling $5.1 million to keep Challenged Athletes in the game of life through sport. Our next guest, two-time ITU world champion, the coach to the stars, Siri Lindley joins us from her palatial estate. How are you doing, Siri? I am great, Bob, and I'm just thrilled to be here with you. You know that you are my one of my favorite men in the whole wide world, so thank you for giving oh. me this opportunity for us to hang out. Well, I was very concerned this last couple of years just when I heard you've been diagnosed with cancer, and I, I didn't want to jump in too early and, and, and start talking to you until you were ready to chat. Talk a little bit about, it was it 2019 Kona, is that when you started feeling like, okay, I'm just not quite right? I remember, first of all, I had a really sore hip, which I've needed a hip replacement because I trained so hard in a pretty short period of time. But I remember at Kona, you know, I love running in Kona. I love going for runs. And I got out there and I just felt so exhausted. And on race day, you know me, I'm typically running around here and there and getting everywhere. And I just didn't have anything, but I didn't think anything was wrong. I just thought, oh, I'm getting older. The heat's affecting me. And I went in to have my hip replacement and it was my pre-op appointment. And they came out and they said, we're not gonna be able to do this surgery. There's something really odd with your blood work. And within a week, uh, I got the diagnosis and acute myeloid leukemia, a genetic mutation, and it wasn't, it didn't look good. And, um, but I knew like the moment I got that phone call, my wife Beck was standing next to me and we're in floods of tears. Right. And I said to my doctor, this is not my time to go. I am going to survive and I am going to thrive. And, and I made that decision because here I've got the love of my life who I've been waiting for, for a lifetime. Yeah. My everything I'm doing in my life, my coaching and my athletes, my life coaching, my speaking, like saving horses. And, and it wasn't my time to go. And I thought this has to be happening for another reason. There is some powerful lesson, something I'm going to learn, some gift that I'm going to receive going through this, that I'm going to understand the why behind all of it. But Bob, I mean, and thank God my doctors didn't say this to me. I mean, I walked into that office and I said, look, I don't want to hear the statistics right? Yeah, because yeah. I'm going to survive and I don't want to know what the odds are. And, but looking back, you know, I know what those odds were, you know, it was like 5% chance. And that's, uh, that's really scary, you know? Well, you were like vomiting 45 times a day. Uh, Not every day, thank God. But man, you know, I, when I was in the hospital for my yeah. bone marrow transplant, I, I was 25 pounds less 
than I am today, getting so much treatment hooked up to every single machine and it's terrifying. But one of the great things about being an athlete is you learn how to control those thoughts that don't serve you. You learn how to take yourself from a place of weakness to a place of strength. And for me, that was gratitude. You know, I'd, I'd find myself in these moments of, of terror and deep despair and feeling so sick and so weak. And I'd say, Siri, stop. Focusing on this is not going to help you survive. So I would change the channel and, and gratitude was the bridge from despair to hope for me. And I'd think about, you know, my amazing mom slept on the couch for over 30 nights in the hospital beside me. And I feel so grateful. And my wife who'd never left my side, I felt so grateful. And my amazing doctors and nurses and the care I was getting in all of you. And I felt so grateful. And that gave me strength. That gave me hope. That gave me energy. And just like as an athlete, it took me a day to move into the hospital because I had like vision boards that covered every inch of the walls, literally. <laughs> I mean, people were like, like, what's going on? But I knew I was going to be there for a month, two months, who knew? Right. And um, so I had vision boards in every inch of my wall that showed pictures of me coaching my athletes and running up my favorite trail with Beck and family dinners and that reminded me of this, of, of the life that awaited me on the other side of this fight. And then if you can see my winning the world championships and Bob, you know this story. I don't know if a lot of people know this story, but when I decided I wanted to become a world champion, I didn't even know how to swim. So I was a joke. I got laughed at. People thought I was an idiot. They couldn't believe that I'd have such a crazy dream when I was so bad at it. But I achieved the impossible dream eight years later. So I had this on my hospital wall. And that was my proof. My proof that I have everything I need inside of me to make the impossible possible. My proof that, that like I could do this. And the thing is, like, we all have proof. We all have proof of times that we overcame when we didn't think that we could or times that we achieved something that at one point seemed impossible. And I needed to focus on that and remember that and access that every single day to give me the hope that I needed to, to triumph here. Um, and I was never gonna give up. I ever. remember that photo when you won that race, because again, uh, athletes have this tendency, uh, we all do. Person's on one shoulder saying, uh, this is too hard. You should quit. You know, somebody, everybody's in front of you out of the water. You're never going to catch them. Just give up now. And hey, wait a second. This could be different. This could be a different day. That photo is from a different day because you were way behind out of the water, bridged fourth pack, third pack, second pack, catch up to McKeeley, right? Who's like the dominant person on the planet, right? And she's like, oh, you blew your wad getting up here. <laughs> And what'd you say to her? Well, I turned and I said to her, hey, McKeeley, ready to run? And then I was like, holy crap, I can't believe I just said that to the number one athlete in the world. I'm an idiot. But, you know, I, I really, like, I was backing myself for the first time. You know, that first time when you're like, no, this, this horrible swim is not going to be the end of me. This is going to be my best race ever. 
And it gave me the adrenaline and man, she was on my shoulder. I could feel her hot breath. Her braid was like hitting me in the face and she's like my idol. But man, nothing was going to stop me from, even if I dropped dead at the finish line, right. I was going to empty everything I had inside of me out on that course. Well, and the cool part is when you look at your number, right? Usually if you're seated and they expect you to do something, you're not wearing number 60, <laughs> right? That, that sort of tells the story. It's like, I'm holding the banner up and I'm the only one who thought this was going to happen. Mom, mom did. Yeah, mom did. I'm sure mom was like, sure, honey, you're going to do that. <laughs> With going, I don't really think that's going to ha happen either. When you did that, though, when you did win that race, what, how did that change your perception of you? It changed everything for me, Bob. I, I think, you know, growing up, I had very little self-esteem. I didn't really know who I was. I was kind of terrified in my own skin, to be honest. And mm -hmm struggled with OCD and, and a lot of fear and anxiety. And when I finally started building a little bit of confidence uh, in college, I realized I was gay. And that was like a hard thing to realize because it's like, this, this is going to be hard. And, but I kind of, I was happy that I discovered something true and real about me. But when my dad found out, um, and he was my hero, came to every single, he'd drive three hours to Brown to watch every field hockey, ice hockey, mm -hmm. and lacrosse game, never missed. And he called me in floods of tears. And I was like, dad, like, what's wrong? Tell me, are you dying? Like, what's wrong? And he said, somebody told me that you're gay. He said, I'm sorry, but I couldn't possibly have a daughter that's gay. I beg you, tell me right now that this isn't true. And I said, dad, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm gay, but I'm the same me. Please just love me anyway. And he hung up the phone and I didn't hear from him for two years. And after that, like maybe on Christmas, I'd get a phone call, but it was absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. But in that moment, this instilled in me a fire. It gave birth to like this insatiable hunger that I wanted to prove to myself, most importantly, that even as a gay woman, I can achieve something that I think is spectacular, that I can inspire others, that I can make a difference in the world. And most importantly, that I can be loved by myself and by others. And so years down the line, after all of this, I was at a Tony Robbins event and he said, hey, you know, you got to think about you know, forgiving the people that have hurt you, releasing that blame and thanking them. And at first I'm like, what are you talking about? Tony? thank him. Are you kidding me? You broke my heart. But then I thought about it and, and I thought, imagine if he called me and he said, oh, Siri, somebody told me you're gay. You're going to make the most fabulous gay woman. Like, what would that have done for me? Nothing. I would have been like, oh, I'm great. Life is easy. But instead, his rejection was a gift. His rejection is what led to my determination, my relentlessness, my resilience. And so at this event, I actually called my dad and I said, dad, you really broke my heart, but I wanna, I wanna forgive you first of all, and I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for being exactly the father I needed you to be 
to become the woman that I'm so proud to be today. And I can't tell you how good that felt, Bob. It freed him, but it also freed me. And now we have the most amazing relationship. Since I got diagnosed, he has called me every single day, never missed a day. And we've reconnected. We have this beautiful relationship and it just shows the power of forgiveness, which for me, you know, when you get diagnosed, um, there's kind of a soul cleansing that you start feeling you need to go through. And that's getting rid of anything that causes you strain and anxiety and stress or, you know, resentment. And this forgiveness happened long before that. But the power in that is that when we blame someone, when we don't forgive, we remain powerless, powerless to change our lives. But when we forgive, we're, we, we have, we're free, we're liberated from that burden. And it's the best thing, forgiveness was a key in getting my father back. And he's been a huge part of my getting healthy and back on my feet again. So I'm so grateful. How long was the gap between not speaking to your father? It was from 1993 to 2016, so. Oh my God, and he never reached out during that time. He came to one race and it was a world championships, this race. He was there. He was there, he came and that was huge, but it was like, he came and, you know, there was so much left unsaid, you know, that it, it was so wonderful. He and my mom were both there. It was like a dream come true to me to share this moment with them. Um, and then he kind of yeah, disappeared yeah. again. He was proud and he'd check in. He was checking in Christmas birthdays right, at right. that point. But for him, like, that's just kind of a gift from above that he happened to decide, hey, I'm going to go watch my daughter in this world championship. And because it meant a lot to me. And it gave me hope. It gave me a lot of faith that we were going to find a way through this. Um, but that took me stepping up and saying, hey, this was a gift. And, and so many times when we've been so deeply hurt by someone or something, if you look back at that experience or that relationship, you realize that had that not happened, you wouldn't be who you are today. Exactly. You wouldn't have achieved the things that you have achieved, or you wouldn't have met the person that you're with now. Like there is always a gift. There is always a gift in our greatest struggles. And, you know, I found a lot of them just from this past year and a half. And, um, and I think that the reason why I went through this, Bob, I remember like in the year before this diagnosis, I remember walking around my property and saying, God, I just, I pray that I can touch as many lives as I possibly can in beautiful and powerful ways that I can share a message that can liberate them and empower them. And I would pray this like every single day. And then this happened and it's like, I thought I had a good message before, but for what I've been through and what it took for me to get from where I was to where I am today, that's a message that I know can touch way more people than I could have ever touched before. And maybe that's what I, maybe that's why it all happened. Maybe I now can truly touch lives and help people in a way that I never could have before. So when you, obviously the joy from winning 
in 2001 and you repeat in 2002. Did it mean as much? So this is where the two world championships are the Aquathon World Championship, which happened yeah. the week of the world championship and then the world championships. But I okay. did won the World Cup series. Right. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Um, that was huge for me because I was ready to retire in 2001. I'm like, I found what I was looking for. Yeah, 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 like I respect myself, I believe in myself, I back myself, but we all know that we all have that inner gremlin that was going to come out, you know, three, four months later and say, that was a fluke, you just got lucky, you just got lucky, and I didn't want to have to live with that, so even though I was done, like emotionally I felt done, I had to take one step further backing myself and say, Siri, let's put together one more year and race and train the best that you can and let's try and hold on to that number one ranking and then you'll know for sure that you're the real deal and i needed that for me i needed to prove that it's always been proving it to myself most importantly but yeah. i didn't want that gremlin to come in and destroy what i knew was eight years of incredible hard work achieving my impossible dream. And, and thank God I was able to do that. I put together another year. I won number of World Cups and I retired at number one in the world. And I was so ready. I was so ready, Bob. So ready to start coaching and share this with other athletes that had a dream that felt like, oh, I it could never be me. And it's like, oh, yes, it can. Oh, yes, it can be you. Let me show you the way. So a lot of people, when they're you know, ranked number one in the world, well, one that that's sort of like, okay, now it's time to cash in. I can go do appearances and get money and maybe step up to, well, at that point, we really didn't have a lot of 70.3 type of stuff. But the pole, of course, that's a huge jump, jumping from Olympic distance to freaking Ironman. But did that, was that ever a thought? It was like, okay, this is what my goal was. I've done it. I've accomplished everything I wanted to. I'm out. So my coach at the time, Brett Sutton was like, you got to go to Ironman, like Ironman, you are built for Ironman. And right. I was like, no freaking way. I love coaching Ironman, but that was not going to be me. And right. what I found, you know, I never got into the sport for the sponsors or the money or the, like I was in it for purely personal reason why, which was finding that respect for myself, being able to live in my own skin and feel proud and be able to live authentically and to be able to love and appreciate myself, which I hadn't in all the years leading into it. I mean, once I started this mission, I started having more of an appreciation for myself because I, I appreciated that I was willing to fail multiple times and get back up again, dust myself off and get after it again, like that made me proud of me. And that's what I was after, that worthiness from within myself and finding a love for me. And, but again, that meant that that second year had to happen because I needed proof for myself that I had every right to have that appreciation and love and respect for myself. And I knew I needed that to, to do all the other things I wanted to do in my life. So as a coach, when Susan Williams comes out and you coach her to, and nobody, Susan Williams was the last person everybody's talking about for podium, right? Uh, at, at the freaking Olympics in 2004. But you knew that there was something special, that she was going to achieve greatness. 
what what did you see in Susan that I'm guessing she didn't see in herself? Well, at first, um, I didn't see it because okay, this is this is going to sound terrible. I just I warn you, it's going to sound terrible. But when you have a goal, so she's coming to me saying, I want to make the Olympic team and I want to win a medal, but she was ranked maybe eighth American. Right. And I'm thinking, if that's what her goal is, certain things are going to have to happen. And as a coach, it's my job to be able to lay out like this is what has to happen. And at the time, she just had a daughter like a year before, um, lived in Colorado where you can't get outside, you know, for the majority of six months or so. And I said to her, I said, Susan, look, if you want to make this happen, you and I both have to literally get in the car and take off to California for the next three months. You've got to leave your, your daughter at home with your husband, with your mom, because we've got a lot of work to do in a short amount of time. And that's the only way that we're going to get you there. And she's like, well, can't we do it just here? And I said, no, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. It's just not. So it's awful. Here I am asking her to leave her kid, leave her husband behind. But I, I mean, I was going to uproot my whole life too. So yeah. she said, no way, left the cafe, called me the next day and said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm in. That's when I knew. That's when I knew. Because when you're willing to, it, it, yes, it can be called a sacrifice, but it's really not because you're investing in, in making your dream come true. But I knew when she made that decision that I'm now going to give my heart and soul and everything I have to making this happen. And I wasn't going to settle for anything less than her making the team. So off we went. We left like a week later to San Luis Obispo and had I found a young college kid that could help push her on the bike and on the run and gathered a few other people around. And we just just every single day was focused on her hitting the targets I set for her to get her on that team. And, and she did. And, you know, no one, that was a surprise, first of all, but then you get to Athens and it's like, uh, you know, whatever, there were all the other names were, were being looked yeah. at as, as the ones that had the great chance. But I knew, cause I'd been working with her, you know, every single day for, nine months or whatever it had been actually it must have been longer than that and i just knew i knew she had the grit i knew she had the toughness i knew she had inside of her like i did like i just gave up three months with my treasures the things that matter most to me in my life like there's no alternative but making this happen yeah. and i had the same you know when you share that together the coach and the athletes share that that burning uh, desire or fire like it creates magic and and I think that that's always kind of been um my superpower I guess like with Miranda Leanda Cave it's like when you believe enough and when you want it enough and you have that mutual belief it's got to be that like she believed in me one million percent I believed in her one million percent no looking to the side or back or anywhere else and boom you just go for it and that's when magic happens but it's hard in this day and age because there's so much information out there, you know, but with all three, Susan, Leanda and Rinny, it was that situation where it's like, we only have eyes for what we're doing. Just you and I right now, this moment, make it happen and that's it. So when you talk about hurt, Rinny, 
Chrissy doesn't race in 2010, about the morning of the race. Vinny wins, right? And, uh, you know, you take a little victory lap, wins, probably does maybe a few more appearances than she should have and maybe started her training for 2011 a little late and gets second place by a couple of minutes to Chrissy. And then you know, Chrissy retires. And at the same time, you and Rini basically says, you know, in my opinion, so I, I need like, more. I yeah, I need somebody else, right? I need a different coach. So here's Siri, who took her from where she was to the, the pinnacle, and you're out. Uh, talk about how that motivated you and the relationship that you developed with Leanne McCabe. And in 2012, she wins 70.3 worlds and she wins Kona, knocking off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that had to be, yeah, that had to be like the, the, at one point, obviously you love Miranda, but it's oh, just, so much. he's the enemy. You, you need her to be taken down by the person you're working with now. Bob, first of all, I'm riddled in goosebumps because <laughs> it brings up a lot of emotion with me still. And with her as well. We laugh about it now, but yeah, wasn't laughing I had, at the time. yeah, no, I was not laughing at the time. You know, I had a decision to make when that happened. And it was, do I listen to what her behavior is telling me, which is you're not good enough for me. You were just lucky to be a part of the ride. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or do I listen to what I know inside, which I had so much to do with yeah. getting her there. We're a team, we did this together and I'm gonna show her that I can do this with someone else. Thank God I listened to that voice. Okay. And Leanda came. And I was so excited because I've always thought I liked her as a person. I thought she was a great athlete. And I remember, um, you know, talking to some people and they're like, oh, yeah, no, she's done. She's done. And I said, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. She said her the only thing that matters to her is winning the Ironman World Championships. And so I took her on and I tell you what, like I said, you, are you going to believe in me one million percent? Because I'm going to go all in. And when I go all in, that's going to be powerful, but I need, I need a return. And we changed so much of what she had been doing and started doing things really differently. And she was just in phenomenal shape. We went off to 70.3 worlds and I'm like, look, I don't want you to get nervous for this because we need to keep our mental and emotional reservoir full for Kona and just go in and let's see what you got and we can make some adjustments over the next few weeks and she went in and smashed it won the 70.3 world championships and i'm like yep. oh my god and i remember saying to her okay you can't let this like don't get carried away yes you won a world championship but we've got we've got business ahead of us and i was so proud of her i loved every single minute she inspired me every single day with her grit her work ethic her belief all of this and then it was a day of Kona. And of course, I'm standing at mile 13, okay, or whatever it was, right when Rinny catches Leanda. Yep. And I'm just, I'm riddled in goosebumps now, just telling you the story. Cause I'm like, does, does, does it have to happen right here, right where I am? But I'm glad it did because I looked at Leanda and I looked her in the eyes and I said, you know what to do. And she looked at me and she's like, and then down they go into the energy lab. And I'm like trying to listen. Um, 
on my headphones and they're saying, oh, well, no, Randy, you know, once she catches you, you know, you're done, you're done. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't think so. I don't feel that today. I believe in my bird here, my super bird. And, but I'm starting to get nervous because they're all saying, oh, there's no chance, no chance. And suddenly like, and it was, you can see the fog of the, of the energy lab. And I see one body coming up the hill oh, and I'm wow. like, oh my God. And I'm like, you know, trying to, to see closer. And as the fog, as this body is breaking through the fog, it's like this tall, tall figure. And I'm like, holy, it's super bird. So I see her at the top of the hill and Rini and, and, um, or a couple others still, you know, not too far back. And I said, all right, let's, let's take, take this to the finish. And she took her fuel belt off and threw it to the side of the road. I hope that's not illegal. Anyway, she threw it to the side of the road, maybe. And I thought, okay, she means business. And she looked great. She looked great. And I'm just like, just screaming and yelling. And she crossed that line, Bob. And oh my God. I mean, every world championship title is there's no words to describe what it feels like. And I'm talking as a coach, but, but coaching my athletes yeah. to world championship crowns felt even more amazing than winning one myself, because it's just, I don't know. I love doing things together with someone and she crossed that line. I don't think I, I, I was so proud of her, but I also was just, I felt like I wanted to drop to my knees and just, you know, show my gratitude somehow to the, to the earth, to, you know, Madame Pelé, to God. And just, it was like the greatest moment of my career again, because I backed myself. And I think we all need to back ourselves and believe in what we're capable of and never, ever doubt because it's in the doubting that you lose that, that edge, but you go all in and you believe that something's possible there's a power in that. There's a magic in that. And we created uh, magic. And Rennie came back. Thank God. I'm so grateful for her being so brave and so courageous to say, hey, I think I made a mistake. I want to come back. And that meant the world to me because I love her. We, we've shared the greatest moments together. And so we started working together again. And then she won 2013, 2014. And it was amazing. I just so blessed. They have coexisted if Leanda didn't move move away after Rennie came back. I totally, yeah, I, I believe that they absolutely could have. They're two very different people, very different personalities. They train differently. I trained Rennie differently to how I trained uh, Leanda, um, but absolutely. And, but yeah, that, that, that must have been really hard for Leanda and I give her credit because um, that would have hurt me as an athlete to be like, how could you take her back? But maybe it didn't bother her. Leanda's a champion. She's a champion human, champion athlete. I think she just was ready to, you know, do something different. And I had no, um, you know, no worries at all about that because I love her with all my heart. So 2014, Rini's back in another time zone. Getting out, you got this Daniela Reef who, when we're interviewing her before the race, she says, "Oh, is 
is the run right by here? Where, where do they run? I mean, she had no idea, right? She was coming in, I think she showed up on Wednesday race week, had no idea. She'd come off 70.3 worlds, which was the goal. And you know, Brett, Brett's whole thing was, we were training for 70.3 worlds and Kona was, was gravy. Whatever happens there happens. And so when you, when Rini comes off the bike and is that far back, did you still have confidence that she could catch her? Well, she laughs because when I saw her at about the half mile mark, I yelled at her and I said, you're in perfect position. And she's looking at me like, what the hell? But she spent the next 10 miles wondering what I meant. Like, okay, well, she said that. So there must be a reason for it. So in her mind, she's thinking only these positive things about why it's a good thing. You know, she raced her race on the bike. Yes, there was a big deficit, but she really, you know, she took in all her nutrition and her hydration. She was, her run was on fire. So I believed that she could catch it, catch uh, Daniela. Um, but at the time, Rennie was like, what the hell is, the series lost her mind. But it got her thinking and it got her thinking in the positive direction about, okay, what needs to happen here? What do I need to do? She went through the 10K in like, you know, something crazy and um and she ended up winning but you know me bob i believe in miracles right like that's just uh and that seemed a little bit like a miracle but it really wasn't in my mind i had the calculations of what was possible on her very best day and she broke the the course run record didn't she on that that year i knew that if she ran the way i knew she could that even if the gap had been more than what it was there was still a chance but it would the, the key was you come off that far behind mentally you know are you going to give yourself permission to even try to make that happen or are you going to give up because of that but you know change your story change your life and what i wanted her to do was change her story about what it means to be that far back and see it as an opportunity she had a lot of people to catch she was running better than ever. And this was her opportunity to truly do something magnificent. And she did. And I was so proud. Speaking of magnificent, so now she's coming back, right? And after a second baby. And that's so it's another challenge, right? This is a, a different type of challenge. And you've got Daniela Reef, who seems to be on a little bit of a mission yes. after not uh, <laughs> after 2019 having one of those days where she just wasn't right. For Rennie, how do you change things as, as she's a mom? She's got obviously other responsibilities. How do you, how do you get her ready for, for Kona and going in? And we've got so many more of the Olympic distance athletes, all of them moving in. It, it, the field's gonna be amazing. Yeah, so I'm not coaching Rennie anymore. We decided in 2019, before I got diagnosed, yeah. that we wanted to, leave our history together as it was because our record was just brilliant yeah, yeah, and um i think she was ready for a change she was ready to have a bigger group around her so she's gone and trained with tim with julie dibbins which okay. is amazing which is great yeah yeah and so i'm not going to say what i think she should do i mean i i have my sure. philosophies on on what she should do but i don't want to step on julie's toes but um I think it's just a different chapter for her and i believe in her like i believe that whatever she sets her mind to mm -hmm. she will get to that place so it's a question of um does she have the hunger 
of a 2013-2014 Miranda Carfrey? Does she have that drive, that determination, that willingness to go beyond what you think you you're even capable of? I don't know. You know, that's going to be her decision. But I love her dearly. I see her quite often. She comes out to the ranch and I hope that she just achieves everything that she set herself out to achieve at this point in her career. So you're in remission, correct? I, I consider it, I consider done. myself, you're yeah, that's done. my line. Done. So it's funny, you're the most positive person I know and working with Tony Robbins, it's like, you know, positivity times a thousand. How enjoyable is that? And, and what do you see more of speaking in the future, coaching in the future? What's the future hold? Um, doing both, but the speaking with Tony has been unbelievable. I mean, he's been my mentor since I was 20 years old. And so many of the strategies that I've used in my own life, uh, came from him and to now, and he was, you know, he and his family just supported me so much when I was going through this past year and a half. And one of the first talks back that he asked me to do was this new world, new you challenge, 839,000 people. And <laughs> I get on, I haven't spoken in a while, you know, you, you, I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna be, I've been through a lot. And I get on and he's like, Siri, 839,000 people waiting to hear your story. And I'm like, oh my God. But so that dream of wanting to touch more lives and to share something that can help people uh, came to reality, you know, in whenever that was, I think it was January. Um, oh yeah, new, new Year, New Year Challenge, yeah. January. And as I was giving the talk, it dawned on me that this, this is why, this is why this has all happened. And, but that is such a passion for me. Um, I obviously use all, you know, everything that I've learned from him and from my own experiences in coaching my athletes, which gives me, I feel like I constantly have more to give. And I only coach very few athletes now. And I, and I want it that way because I'm just trying to really, my health is my number one priority now. I want to stay healthy. I want to be around for the next 50 years. So I am only doing things that I'm passionate about and that I believe in with all my heart. And that's loving my wife and my family and saving horses. It's coaching my few athletes that I have. Ellie Salthouse, I believe it's her year to have, I mean, she's had an amazing season so far, but she is uh, kind of my project, my, my, a, a very important project to me and doing my speaking uh, around the world. And these are the things that matter to me and just taking care of getting stronger and healthier and being able to just be a light uh, for everyone. I am writing my second book, so I'm just getting started on that. Um, but that's everything. But I'm still like, my, my coaching and you know the 70.3 world champs, Kona, like these things are so important to me. And I believe that having the balance that I have now with everything that all carries a lot of power to it. Um, and I'm determined, I'm determined to have a few more world championships uh, with my athletes. And I can't wait to have the opportunity to just see how far we can go. 
No, knowing you, you'll go as far as the hell you want to go. <laughs> Thank you for believing in me, Bob. Always, always. I remember the one year in Kona, we had you, we had, I think we had like five or six different hats. You were coaching everybody, all the top women. I think like six out of the top 10 were like women you were coaching. And you're like, how does she do it? How does she coordinate all those? You're amazing. Um, so you're amazing. Thank so you. So glad you're healthy. I'm so glad you're healthy and you look spectacular. The, 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 the glow is there. Uh, you're, you're ready to, I, I can imagine you while you're sitting in a hospital bed, puking, going, this is awful. This is horrendous, but it's going to be a great story. It's going to be great. It's going to add to my story, man. It's going to make it so much better than it has ever been because this is something else I'm overcoming. Yeah, it's Love true. It. it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but to be here today is just the ultimate miracle. And for everybody out there, like every moment of this life matters, every moment. So love yourself through it, be your best self for you and for everyone around you and make each moment the miracle that it is because um, you never know. You never know how much time you have. Siri, thank you so much for taking time and chatting. Always such a pleasure. Thank you, Bob. I love you. Again, Breakfast with Bob, not quite Kona edition. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. See ya.